Ed, welcome to your podcast, where this week we will be exclusively discussing Tinamo Zagreb 3, Tottenham Hotspur 0. <laughs> <laughs> Ignoring everything else that happened in the world of football. No, uh, we beat Milan. That was fun. That was. That was. I mean, I, I'd, I'd be willing to talk about that a fair bit, because actually for 45 minutes, second 45 minutes, United were quite good. But it's all kind of overshadowed by the heaped pile of steaming dung that was United's defending in that cup court final. I mean, you know, the the uh, the defending was world-class appalling. And we'll, we'll of course, break down the uh, catastrophe of the three goals, one at a time, in great detail, assigning blame and personal responsibility to professional athletes who are thousands of times better at what they... Yeah do than we've ever been but still but but also um, but also don't forget we'll also be insulting their parentage and how they look as well <laughs> just to but the uh, the attacking play was also appalling yeah apart from one five second bit of excellence from three good players uh that led to a goal but but that was the only was good attacking play for the whole game so the defending was was truly atrocious and the attacking play was spectacularly mediocre and uh, attempting semi-final against Southampton, which was drawn at half time, has been snatched from our grasp by Brendan Rodgers's cruel machinations and Ali Solskjaer's bizarre first team selection, uh, tactical approach and substitutions. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we were... Complaining during the game while watching that Oli never makes any substitutions and he's, you know, he, he although in this one, because he only made one against Milan when clearly fresh legs, legs would be needed. Negs too, actually, to be honest, that might help with some of the players. Um, but, uh, and just predicting that Bruno and Cavani would come on in the 60th minute for like-for-like substitutions and then he pulls out four substitutions. Um Mostly like for like, leaving the absolute disaster class of Fred on the pitch. He'd been having one of the worst games a single player has ever had, I think. Just just abysmal. Just <laughs> yeah. from start to finish. I mean summed up by the 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 awful um attempted back pass that he um he did for, for Leicester's um or did he even try attempt the back pass? He was he was caught in possession, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, right he did, yeah. No, 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 no. no. No, no, he he didn't attempt the back pass. He slowly rolled the ball to Kelechi <laughs> Inacho. Yeah, I know. Uh, weighted through ball, the uh, first one's Fred has ever done. Um, <laughs> we kind of summed up by his face afterwards, where you know, is it was it disappointment? Was it anger? I think it was more sort of resigned, a kind of feeling of resignation that yes, I've f- up again, uh, which he I- proceeded to just keep doing throughout the game. Uh, you know, it was coming from Fred. He'd already, he was already dropping a zero out of 10. And then he went into negative numbers because the, so um, let's, let, let's do it. Let's run through the Leicester City goals one at a time and discuss the percentage opprobrium required for each individual Man United player for each of them. So um, the first goal, Maguire has the ball under absolutely no pressure. Leicester are pressing one on one with uh the with the three passing options that Maguire has. He's got um Wambasaka to his right, he's got Tellers to his left, 
And he's got Maguire, uh, Fred directly in front of him. Now, coming at Fred is a Leicester City player. I think Tielemans is right behind Fred, which means that you know that Fred is not going to have any options available. But this is not an um, absolution of Fred in this, because this is one of the worst, like you said, it's one of the worst individual performances ever. But Maguire's decision in that moment, in his infinite £80 million worth of wisdom, uh, knocks the ball to Fred under pressure. Fred, a player who we all know, as you mentioned at the time, cannot half turn and give himself space. So Fred has one choice and one choice only, and that's to pass the ball back to Dean Henderson. Uh, unfortunately, Kielecci and Nacho is standing in between Fred and Dean Henderson, and uh, and there is no uh, power on the pass. He's obviously concerned about overhitting it and putting Henderson in trouble, and instead he uh, fully gifted Leicester City a goal. And, and I'm sure part of the look on his face was just kind of that shock and embarrassment of doing something that you're paid to do absolutely atrociously with millions of people all around the world watching you do it. Well, that's right. That's that's why we're a podcast. And so we can absolutely phone this in week after week and no one can see us. Yeah, exactly. Just the, the same old nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what about the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. Us and Fred, that handshake emoji, same nonsense every <laughs> single week. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a bit small. It, it's like, um, I, I think if that was Pogba in the Fred situation, he'd have got out of it because he's got that kind of close control and awareness to create space uh, using his body uh, and on the half turn, as you say. But Fred has none of that. He absolutely panics, um, you know, gives that ball away like it's a hot potato, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. And just all the time kept doing it throughout the game. But Maguire, just take some fucking leadership. I, I like, we were... It's unfair, of course, to hate on Maguire all the time because he's not alone in in being, you know, aggressively mediocre. But he is aggressively mediocre for the world's most expensive defender, the 13th most expensive player of all time. Um, There have been some really great defenders, Maldini, Baresi, Beckenbauer, Moore, John Terry. No, not John Terry. Um, You know over the course of, of the history of football, Harry Maguire is not even close to being in that class. Um, and, and of all the choices he's got, you know, he can roll it back to the keeper, he can absolutely launch it, he can play it left, he can play it right. It's the absolute worst one. And he just keeps, he keeps doing this. I just kind of feel like he wants to take responsibility because he's leader, Harry Maguire, England's Harry Maguire. And he's just way way less good than he believes he is. And he proves it all the time. It's just a, a shocking, absolutely shocking purchase from United. And and it would be at half the price, I think. I mean, I think we'd think differently about him if he, if he was Lindelof level priciness. We'd be just like, well, you know, you get what you pay for. Now we get less than half than what we pay <laughs> just... I mean, you know, Maguire to Fred, disaster class. In that brief moment, I mean, that is Man United's transfer strategy, overpriced issues in a nutshell, because, you know, Fred might be an even worse buy than Maguire, because at least Maguire looks, sometimes looks like a £40 million player. Fred was £52 million and looks like a £15 million player. I mean, how many, every now and again, Fred plays really well and it's nice to see and he's very sort of, 
he's he's good at the Harry um, and uh, not the Maguire. The, you know, he's good at harrying opposition players. Um, he's also good at the Harry having a complete brain freeze and being totally useless and overpriced. Um, but you know, and also occasionally he's weirdly good on the ball every now and again. But when he's bad today, I mean, today any other player, you know, we were talking about McTominay versus Fred, right? And they are so sort of similar level wise. And McTominay made a mistake for the third goal and, and, you know, wasn't great either. But any other okay footballer would have been better to have in the side. Any of Leicester's midfielders would have been better to have in the side than Fred by far. Oh, God, yeah. And, and, you know, swapping Didi for Fred and United are completely transformed because you don't need the the second defensive player in there. You, You can play another ball player. You can play Fernandez, Van der Beek and Pogba if you want. Um, or at least two of them, and it completely transforms who United are. I mean, I, I was I was just uh, I was thinking before we came on air about who it could be that United could try and buy because it's such a. I mean, I feel like a broken record, of course, because we were talking about this last season. It's such a desperate, desperate need for United to have a, a defensive midfielder in there because it's just going to knit the two halves of the team together. Whereas right now. They have to play six at the back, and and Ollie was talking about it the other day, wasn't he? He called it a back six, um, and then they're hoping because there's no real pattern in the attacking play because Ollie can't coach that. Um, they're hoping that individual brilliance will do enough, and today individual brilliance wasn't enough because they're knackered because they all played on Thursday basically, um, and and I think you like what was it four of eight United shots today were from three. Harry Maguire three. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it kind of sums it up, doesn't it? And and as well, that, United are desperately chasing the game again uh, at the end, Harry Maguire's pushing forward into the number 10. We've got a front flat front six. I mean, it's just a mess all over. The, you know, the moment you said it sums it up, the Harry Maguire three attempts out of United's total eight, and the one that sums it up more than any is he's got Greenwood, Cavani, Fernandez, um, possibly still Martial by that point, I think. Uh, ahead of him on the pitch and he decides to shoot you know you think this is this was late in the game and he tries to shoot from 30 yards out you, what 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 are you i mean one in however many one in 150 of those goes into the top corner um and looks fantastic and you can be the big i am but this is this is i think part of the reason i feel like he's got big steven gerrard energy um which i it's about as insulting as you can be on a Man United podcast. Let's talk a little bit about the second goal, which Harry Maguire was not involved in in any way, shape or form. Um, Leicester's second, I mean. Um, I mean, our goal was nice. Brilliant from Pogba. Very smart from Van der Beek. We'll talk a bit more about him in a minute. And, and a, a lovely finish with Green from Greenwood. So, well done. Three good players. Um, bad players. Straight back into it, though. No messing. Uh, don't let the heads drop. Um, the... Uh, Tielemans picks up the ball and plays a one-two with I'm not sure who it was. Um, and Nacho, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. might might I think it was Nacho, but I could be wrong. Uh, in that moment, completely takes Nemanja Matic out of the game. I mean, 100 percent Matic can now play no more part in this because he's been caught with players running behind him, and yeah. there's a zero. I mean, unless he had uh, rugby tackled him. That would that would have been all Matic could have done at that point. I mean, he doesn't he even bother to sprint because he knows he's not going to get anywhere near this. He's he's gone. He's out of the game. Yeah, one one this, one two. At this point, Fred is coming across to cover Matic, and when Tielemann slows down, Fred slows down too. 
And I, what is he trying to... Is he trying to cover a passing lane to the player behind him? If so, why? Why would you do that rather than... Um, I mean, maybe he thinks... Fred thinks Lindelof's got a better chance, but Lindelof... I, he's actually trying to deal with the fact that Maguire is... Um, Maguire? Vardy. Obnoxious England players. Uh, Vardy's pulling <laughs> off off his shoulder and moving into into space. So I don't actually... You know, Lindelof, a player who gets plenty of stick and a lot rightly so. I actually think this one was his fault. Um, Fred stands still, then realises he should speed up, by which point it's too late. Tielemans breezes past him, is in acres of space in the box, and it's one, it's 2-1. I mean, yeah. just so spectacularly, um, such spectacular evidence of United's profound shortcomings oh, in defensive sure. midfield. Again, again, sorry for the you know, very reductive analysis, but slot Ndidi in there and he's either making the first tackle or covering the run. Um, or both, probably. And Golo Kante would be in two places at once. Um, and and you've got United's double pivot there just completely ruined by a simple one-two. Um, and it, it looks bad from yeah. Lindelof, for sure, because he's covering the run, but it's a straight run. I mean, uh, Tielemans... It just goes. It's just straight. He's not jinking past players. He just goes straight, nope. and yeah. and and Lindelof. If he just stands there, Tielemans runs into him. But of course, you know that would um, provide the opportunity to to put Vardy in, um, a man who's barely scoring at all at the moment. So maybe that would have been better decision. But it looks bad because <laughs> yeah. Lindelof's just run out of the way. Harry yeah. Maguire. I can't even remember what he's doing. He's probably standing statuesque, pointing at someone at this point. Uh, but it's 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 terrible. It's a completely preventable goal that yeah. you would expect a United side to, or any top half level side to to be able to um, cope with. You know, a simple one-two and a straight run. So at this point, you start to. I, we'll talk about the third goal in a sec, but it's kind of icing on the cake, really. Um, at this point, the the sort of existential question becomes why play a double pivot who offer no defensive protection. What What is the point? And we, we, now we can have a little chat about Oli and, you know, I, I, I kind of pro Ole in spite of myself and probably always will be. But uh, this team selection is utterly bizarre when you think this is United's last game for a fortnight. What, why, why, why is this the game he rests Bruno for? Played Bruno in the second leg against Sociedad. Second leg, 4-0 yes. up Bruno I played. I know, it's, like, it's totally bizarre. I mean, and the fact that you've got this game and, and you know, maybe Oli's convinced himself that cup competitions don't matter because he made such a big thing of it the other day. They do matter. They really matter to the fans. I mean, you know, the Champions League top four trophy, the Arsene Wenger trophy, awesome, great, you know, ensures that the Glazer family get to you know, suck £40 million pounds, uh, a year out of the club and stick it in their pockets. And the But it doesn't... And, and great, we get to play some decent sides rather than FC O-Mark in, on a Thursday night, uh, which is good for us podcasters. But, but you yeah, know, cups and trophies matter. It's memories that matter, you know? And there may yeah, even yeah. be fans in the FA Cup final in, in May, uh, maybe, yeah. you know, who knows? Um, and that's gone now because he made no substitutions on Thursday night, had to rest some players because they're all knackered because Bruno plays every single game. 
um, except for the really tough quarterfinal in a competition we're a couple of steps away from winning. Uh, it, I don't know. It's, it is deeply frustrating. And this kind of thing d- does provide evidence for the large contingent of people who are, you know, not supporters of Ollie or what he does. And, um, and you know, it's not a good look. And it's, it's not really good. And I'm, honestly, I don't believe in kind of sideline passion from managers, but he's standing there with his hands in his pockets. Like, and he just gives off the impression of he has no idea what to do about it. Yeah, and, and I think he if he gave off that impression and then made really brilliant tactical substitutions and thoroughly changed the game, you could forgive the impression. But the real problem is it also looks like he doesn't know what to do and often what he tries to do doesn't work when the game gets away from him. So um, the other thing to say about this lineup is you're then expecting so much of players that have played so little. So Tellez has played a, a reasonable amount, but not much really. Donny van der Beek. I mean, the way Solskjaer has handled van der Beek is appallingly bad. Now, you could argue that van der Beek at no point has really taken a game by the scruff of the neck and made it really look like he belongs at United and should like be banging on the door for a, a place in the side. But right. But they signed him, and he, and what he does, I mean, he's just a terrible fit for the way this team plays because he's clearly a systems player. You can see, you can yeah. see his brain ticking when he's got the ball, and he is a he's clearly smart on the ball, you know. Um, but he's very rarely, like you said, not point. We were talking before recording, and not point not five xg per ninety, not point not five expected assists per ninety. When every minute, basically, he's played, he's played at number 10, yeah, almost yeah. every minute. No, it's not good know. numbers. And and you're right, he hasn't put up anything that justifies his team selection. Um, but he plays one in, in four or five games. I mean, I think he's had six starts this season. And it, it's he just, he hardly ever plays. He's always cold coming into it. He's a much better player than we've seen. Um, you're right. He's he's used to be playing in a in a team at Ajax where it's a it's a system that they play from under fives up to the first team, um, and always have done a four three three system, and and um, with neat patterns of play. And he's come into a team where it you know it's it's kind of this magical thinking. There has to be you know a moment of brilliance from somebody. Um, hopefully the back six like stop the opposition in a moment of brilliance and and he's not that player he's he just doesn't he doesn't progress the ball in the same way that Bruno does he doesn't take the same kind of risks you know I'm really surprised he hasn't been tried at eight at all I mean maybe they're so worried about the defensive side of this United team that that they just won't do it Ollie won't do it but uh, he looks like a player that could could play neat patterns at number eight and would if you took that risk, I mean, and maybe you have to have a actual defensive midfielder in there, which doesn't exist at the club. But if you took that risk, it would allow you, maybe not in this game, but in certain games or when everyone's fresh, to play Pogba and Bruno in the in the same team, you know. And then all of a sudden, you've got so much more creativity, so much more danger to the opposition, like imposing a style on the opposition, which we just don't get ever really even in the good times so the the you mentioned maybe not in this game but then the flip side of that is you say okay never mind that the actual disaster class from fred right that that couldn't i mean i say you couldn't have predicted it it's not like it would have been 
And it's not like any of us are watching this going, oh my God, I can't believe Fred was rubbish in this game. You know, he's normally so good. But, um, but, but you know, even that aside, it's per. it would have been completely logical to start this game with Fred and Van der Beek next to each other and Bruno and Pogba ahead of them with Greenwood on the right. Because even then you're playing, you know, two midfielders in attacking positions, really, in terms of Bruno and Pogba, both of whom contribute behind the ball as well as in front of it. So... You know, it's not like you'd have been wildly open at that point. And also, the defensive midfielders don't do any defending. Like, Matic is fine when someone's running directly at him, as I've said a number of times. But that's the only circumstance in which he protects the back four. So, you know, Matic's main strengths are he's good on the ball. Van der Beek's better on the ball than him, you know, um, or as good, let's say. So, anyway, that's... Immensely frustrating, and also I was actually found it quite frustrating that he took Van der Beek off in this game because what what are you, what are you trying to do to this player? Like he, unless we're selling him this summer, he's useless to United now, basically. Because how can he have any shred of belief that the manager's got an ounce of confidence in him? He's played ninety minutes. Uh, I think we worked out it was three times for right. United this season. Right. Well, he, he can't believe in the manager. He can't unless there's a deal that they've got where he said, "Look, you need a." I believe for X, Y, Z reasons, you need a season of just embedding yourself into the club, learning how we play football here, and Pogba's <laughs> off this summer, and and then you're going to get a chance. I mean, unless the manager said that to him, his confidence has got to be absolutely shattered. I mean, um, reports in the the papers this week that he wants out after a season, and and that has been put down to the agent, and you know the agent may be putting pressure on or whatever, and and that more about the agent than than van der Beek, but uh you know it, it feels like it'd be completely natural for van der Beek to be thinking that what have i done here but for the pandemic he'd be at real madrid and who knows what he'd be doing there you know it might have been an easier fit it might not have been um there's plenty of players have gone to real madrid and, and failed um but he's you know united have snuck in bought this player that it feels like ollie didn't want or didn't ask for and it was just a purely opportunistic purchased by Mr. Chief Football Negotiator. And and it's it just doesn't make any sense. And at the same time, they didn't buy the defensive midfielder. You know, they they're still relying on Fred and or McTominay or both, which has this knock on effect. And and it's just it's just so unbalanced still. And it doesn't always come out, right? It's it's United you know, are second in the league. Uh, yeah. they're through the quarterfinals yeah, yeah. of the Europa League. Uh, they made the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. It's not all disaster this season, but it really does come out in games like this, all the faults being exposed. And so much of it is down to United's squad building, which, you know, John Murtagh and, and his sidekick in the chief football negotiator now have to go fix somehow Yeah, with no yeah, money. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, with a budget that's nowhere near what it would need to be to get them to where we want them to be. And we basically just got to settle for this. Uh, you know, I don't mean you got to be happy for it with it, but this is this is what it is. Like it's it's not getting considerably better than this. This season is way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, last season, they, they it has in the league in particular built on last season in a way that I wasn't expecting. We've had some fantastic results, some of which are. I would say a, a freak results the the two nil against City. I you know this is I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's immensely frustrating to see the effort and commitment and up for it levels in that game versus this this game. And that is 
that is frustrating. That That is about the stuff that gets laughed at when you talk about it. Passion, commitment, um, you know, just like mental engagement with the game. And this is, you know, this is a thing that, that I do want to cut them some slack for because I do think pandemic football is uniquely difficult in that way. Um, but today, today they, it was weird how there wasn't any sense of that. So third goal. After, sorry, no, jump no, no, in, no. Sorry. I was just going to say, look, what you know, it's it's one data point, but only eight fouls by United today. Like, they weren't even kicking them. It's like if you're not playing well, at least get about them. I mean, sorry, I'm sounding like you know Sam Allardyce or something here, but. <laughs> It's uh, challenging, challenging my challen, channeling my inner Wilder. Um, uh, <laughs> it's the lefties and do gooders that are the problem, isn't that's it? The, that's the problem. Yeah, you know, if only they'd put the reducers in, United have been better. But they really would have been better. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Anyway, uh, you know, Va- Vardy missed that absolute guilt-edged chance after he seriously rinsed Maguire. Oh, God, and then- I felt, uh, you know, for. A microsecond, I felt sorry for Harry Maguire because he got absolutely <laughs> ruined with that. I just retired. Yeah. He, he megged, Vardy megged Lindelof like a minute later as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, the goal, the third goal, uh, Fred gave the ball away and Leicester regained possession. Um, the, uh, the free kick came in from Albrighton and it was a fine free it's kick. It's a soft foul, by the way. I mean, he's... Yeah. Yeah, Al- yeah that's why we lost... Yeah, yeah, totally. Blame me on the ref. <laughs> Where he was robbed. Um, but yeah, the, the the ball comes in. And um, just before the free kick was taken, I noticed that Iheanacho was like standing completely stock still. He was genuinely trying to treat Scott McTominay like Jeff Goldblum said to treat the T-Rex in, um, in Jurassic Park. Like, don't move and he won't be able to see you. His, his vision is based on movement. Um, and it was only after the ball was swung in and McTominay was looking at the ball that Iheanacho started to move again. I mean, why someone... I mean, it's McTominay's fault because he's not looked behind him. But why someone isn't taking more charge of that and saying, you know, we need to spread this zone to cover a little bit more of the back post, lads. Like, it was very basic stuff, it looked to me. Yeah, well, no no, no fullback on the back post, which is a choice, but one in the back post zone and five on the front post, post zone. So it's... Uh... It is a little odd there, um, but United's defending has been odd so many things this season, just so 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 often. Yeah, so you know, all three of them uh, should be preventable. These goals today should be, you know, the the midfield defensive defensive um, block for the second goal, um, Fred's back pass, Harry Maguire's soft pass out for the first, and. And and um, you know who's in the zone and the back post for the the free kick. Bad. Not that United created anything of note, really. Anyway, so no, what were just, the chances that we're you know, well, leaving that game with going? Oh, if only. Not much. No, there isn't. There, there weren't any. Tellers had a a whack from the the far side. Pogba passed one from twenty yards out, side footed it to the keeper. Uh, Maguire, a couple of headers from corners, one of which was absolutely vintage 50p head. Um, yeah, it's just it was just absolutely appalling football from start to finish for United. I mean, really, genuinely one of the worst games of the season. And, you know, it came back on the back of that decent 45 minutes against Milan, Pogba being back and some hope. And, you know, I, I actually thought he did make a difference in terms of 
United's progressive play in the first half and he was obviously instrumental in the, the equaliser and he will make a, an enormous difference if he's fit between now and the end of the season. But overall, I mean, Martial it was so good against City, had absolutely none of that about him today. Really, really sad. A, a, a fine day for the haters um, in that regard. Uh, Ole, I thought I had a stinker. Let, let's talk about the four subs. So, didn't make any subs. We knew that the, this wasn't going to be an 80-minute substitution because Bruno gets special treatment. So, he was obviously going to be on the pitch sooner than 80 minutes, even if, you know, um, given United were chasing a, a goal. Um, I thought those four subs were... I thought it was too big a swing to take at once uh, for a start. It, not that United had a lot of rhythm, but but it, it, it didn't contribute to United not, like, to unsettling their rhythm. Perhaps he took Pogba and Van der Beek off um, for fitness reasons because they were just back from injury. That was, well, I was going to say it's Van der Beek's first start after injury, but it was technically. But Pogba, in Pogba's case, it was his, his kind of first start back from injury. Um, maybe that's the reason. But we, you know, it, kind of everything that you gain from bringing on Bruno Cavani, you, you lose as much in terms of uh, United's chances of changing that game from from the players that went off the field. And Fred stayed yeah. on for 90 minutes, which... 8-4, you know, uh, 8-5, yeah. So th- that was the first change of shape when Diallo came on and and Matomane was basically the only defensive midfielder. First change of shape, 85th minute. And that's the, uh, the second game where Solskjaer has kind of cost United the game by not taking Fred off at half-time. The one where he had the yellow card was that against PSG, I think it was. Right. Um, and but this one, I, I understand the kind of impetus not to want a punishment beat players into a halftime substitution, but Fred should not have been on the pitch at at the you know the forty sixth minute of that game because it was just evident what a terrible performance he was having. And and I know that's you know players do improve their performance over the course of a game, but there was a level of of awfulness that that it felt like he could have just he could have just brought Matamane on and said it was for fitness, you know? Sure, yeah. Just get I mean, doesn't even need to provide an excuse, does he, to take Fred off and put McTominay on or uh take both Matic and Fred off and McTominay and, and an attacking player on. Sure. Yeah. You know, you're chasing the game. Um but at two one down, United were still in the sh- same shape, offering absolutely nothing different at all. Yeah. yeah. It's desperate. Well, it's t- desperate. Were we two one down at half time? Was that first goal? That second goal was in the first half, was it? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Well, I, I I can't even remember when that second goal was, but but right up until very late in the game, it was all like for like those substitutions. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Still had two defensive players in there until the eighty fifth minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, the yeah. Solskjaer is very frustrating at times. I mean, I, you know, I think, like you said, we're second in the league. There, there, there have been some cultural shifts at the club. There have been some Deadwood got rid of. He's done some stuff right. But, you know, Rogers is, a, is clearly a better 21st century tactical coach than Solskjaer is. I don't think there's any debate about that. Not that he had to be today because um, United... I mean, I don't think Leicester did anything particularly well today. They, they, In fact, they squandered some really big chances. They basically were just gifted comfortable passage through to a semi-final against uh, Southampton. 
Yeah, and and Southampton being uh, more bad than good this season, it's it's a huge opportunity lost. So it's you so, can't help but think that. We'll take a quick break, come back and talk about some newsy stuff. Not no bothers predicting because uh, whatever the next game is, because there's an international break between now and then. Um, but yeah, so no preview needed. But there's a couple of newsy bits and pieces to talk about. So we'll come back after the break and talk about those. Right, so, you a big team viewer user, Ed? No. I mean, I had I had heard of them, which was a bonus, um, just on account of, you know, it's one of those software companies for remote working and all of that kind of stuff. Do a lot of enterprise AR type stuff as well. But, uh, yeah, a little bit of a weird one, this one, the new um, principal shirt sponsor, principal, what do they call them, principal sponsor, um, in that they are, their revenues are about um, less than half of United. So they're a small company taking a huge punt on this kind of deal, um, you know, leapfrogging them into the big time, I guess. Uh, which is, I mean, I get, I, you know, I, I guess they've bought the Richard Arnold, we've got 1.1 billion fans around the world, which has, by the way, grown significantly during our period of um, being quite rubbish, which is amazing work amazing um uh, it's it's worth uh, well depending on how you view it because uh, the spin coming out of the club was the the chevrolet deal was also their auto segment partner uh which is interesting because they didn't have an auto segment partner before but <laughs> signaling that they now will sell a auto segment partner partner and so that may make up for what looks like about a 20 percent cut in the headline number um, the interesting thing, and and you might say, look, that's that's um, that's reasonable because middle of the pandemic, global downturn. You know, it's uh, as the club put out uh, the biggest shirt sponsorship signed during the pandemic. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, quite pathetic that one. Um, but it's a five-year deal, and this is not a structural recession. This is a a, a, a you know a demand side. Um, hit caused by this pandemic, which we'll be moving out of in the next six to 12 months. And and so in five years, but maybe even in two years time, this deal might not look so good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't look great now and it's a kind of look classic lose-lose. So I don't know if long-time listeners may remember um, that when Man United absolutely rinsed Chevrolet for every penny they possibly could, the geezer who made the deal got sacked almost straight away <laughs> afterwards by Chevrolet. This time, in a kind of beautiful sort of poetic narrative, um, nobody got sacked, but the, the team viewer's share price absolutely tanked. It tanked. Like, um, I've been looking at a lot of graphs for cryptocurrency reasons recently, and you really see up and down movements and you can kind of like, everything's within a range, right? And then every now and again, a movement happens that's not within a range. And this is one of those, this is a, a very short, like if you were on skis and you came across this, you'd be like, oh no, I'm on a slope that I'm not prepared for at this point. So yeah, very, we are very bad for you. Do not become Man United's shirt sponsor. 
Yeah, I think that was probably less a commentary on on United than than um, a company spending what looks like um, about eighteen percent of their annual revenues on marketing or one marketing line item, um, which is incredibly aggressive. And, and maybe it'll pay off in a if you take a long term view. Maybe it'll rapidly expand their market and their reach and and their name recognition, and they'll they'll be up there with the likes of. Slack and Zoom uh, and Dropbox as as collaborative tools that the enterprise around the world uses, and this is a genius move in order to do it. Um, yeah, maybe. Well, yeah. I'd I'd never heard of them, and I'm reasonably tech literate, and I, they're not a company I'd come across. Very funny tweet from a friend of the show, Rob Martinez, who said um, that TeamViewer has been on every computer, every work computer he's ever had, and he's literally never used it, which is very funny. Um, <laughs> yes. And, about as I, I, useful as a chocolate teapot um, or Nemanja Matic in defensive midfield. Um, uh, the one, I mean, this is all hashtag business talk, so, you know, who cares about that stuff? But the one thing that we really care about is that their logo is harmless. It's not a nice logo, um, but it is not an awful eyesore of a logo. Yeah, but um, you know except- what happens when when it was two dudes in the garage, I'm just assuming it's two dudes in the garage because it's, you know, it's tech. Uh, they uh, didn't have any money, so they went on Fiverr or Upwork or one of those and they got the cheapest possible logo maker. Um, or it may even have been from like a pool of vectors <laughs> that they could choose from. That's what it looks like. I mean, it's not horrendous. but no, it's just two arrows. Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully maybe. they use the white version, though, or the black version, not the blue version, which is actually yeah. their company colours, because that's going to clash. The um, the one hope that I have is that it's two arrows, like, showing what a successful pass line might look like. <laughs> and maybe, like, the team viewer, it's a sort of subtle signal, like, look at your own team. Those These arrows represent us trying to pass to each other, not the other team. That's, yeah. you know... Let's overlay Fred's pass map on the team viewer like <laughs> and see what it looks like. 88% pass completion. Pass completion is the worst statistic. Um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, there was that. Um, and like you said, maybe if they sell the auto... Uh, what did you call it? Slice. Auto Segment. slice. Segment, not slice. Maybe if they sell the auto slice, um, they'll make up the money. But it's a, it's a big, big loss and... And oh, auto slice being a feature in the team viewer platform, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what happens when any opposition attacking midfielder tries to put a through ball through our defence? It's an auto slice. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the thing that you said about it being a five year deal in the middle of a pandemic is also really significant because what are you doing? Why are we signing up? I mean, I guess United were just under really serious pressure, and, and they probably. Given given that percentage drop in uh, in value in their share price for making this deal, just kind of illustrates the scale of marketing deal this is for anything other than a gigantic company. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I am surprised it's not a shorter term deal. Just just because, unless there's some provisions in the contract for um, uh, you know success related bonuses or some kind of ratchet. Um, f- over the term of the deal, which doesn't seem like there is, um, or maybe it's just there's no discount if United aren't in the Champions League and it's it's stable income for the next five years. The other thing that's happened on the sort of financial thing is it looks like we're moving to a new format for the Champions League, 
and um, which will give uh, a bit more power to the clubs versus UEFA. Looks like it'll add four extra match days, and it, I don't they I don't think they've agreed this or it's it's been signed or anything like that. But it looks like they're moving to this sort of Swiss model um, to give you those four extra match days, where you have ten group match days in one giant table, and you just have ten random teams you play from a league of thirty six or something like that, and then knock out after that. Seems like that's what's going to happen, um, and so that will provide extra income. Uh, Assuming United are in it, which is always a big assumption these days. I mean, it looks like United will make the Champions League. First time since Fergie that United will have made the Champions League back-to-back. Hopefully we'll... Uh, well, we will get more than um, six games if they bring this new format in. Um, I, because we can't get knocked out of the group stage until after 10 games. Yeah, I guess we made it to the Champions League back-to-back once, but not by league position, right? Because oh, we qualified the Europa, after the yeah. Europa League. But that doesn't count as, you know... Yeah, well, the other thing is there's, there's there's two places for historical success. So, you know, four additional <laughs> clubs. So two will go to, um, they may get, I don't think it's been decided, they may go to um, on the coefficient. So, you know, England might get a fifth. Um, they may go to smaller nations. I can't imagine that's true. No. Uh, but two, no, it no looks chance. like, will be held for historical success, which is basically the, the clause for, United, Milan, Real Madrid um, to to get in if they don't qualify, you know, by rights. Yeah, and really it's the clause for, at the moment, it's the clause for Milan and Man United, right? That's, those are the teams that aren't going to, that, no, maybe they both will this season, but, you know, in general recently. Um, All right, the other bit of news was, I mean, news, scurrilous rumour in the sun, Uh, Eric Bailly's probably agent uh, kicking off that, um, by talk of him not renegotiating his contract because he, he's really unhappy about particularly having been left out of that second leg against Milan. Well, not even on the bench today. Uh, maybe injured, and it's always a possibility with Bay. Um, maybe in a big drop, maybe that, and that would be really sad. Yeah, it really would be. I mean, um, it would be a big mistake. I mean, whatever you think about Eric Bay and and his um. You know, injury record and uh, and performances on the pitch. If he goes, then United will have to buy another defender, and we already need another one anyway, you know, for sure. Uh, in order to up the quality, also need a defensive midfielder. Also, probably need a striker. It's not it's not certain that Cavani is going to be staying, and he's got seven goals all season, which I think is more than Anthony Martial. Not quite sure um, who's had a stinker of a season. So. Just kind of piling up uh, what United really need in order to progress or not go backwards next season, um, given that Chelsea probably won't have as bad a season. We don't know what's happening with Tottenham or Arsenal, but, you know, maybe they'll be doing Tottenham and Arsenal type things. And Liverpool can't be as bad as they were. So it's it's a lot for John Murtagh to sort out, um, but definitely a problem if, if uh, Baye's not signing that new contract. Yeah. Absolutely. Mind you, mind you, we might be complete hypocrites and in a year's time when he's been injured for most of next season and he signed that new six-year contract, we'll be going, what the hell did we do? Yeah, there's a player with a player with that injury record and we've given him the Phil Jones deal. Phil Jones, Manchester United player Phil Jones. That's this club, this club, this club, this club, this good and normal club. Um... Man United next play on the 4th of April. That's uh, Easter Sunday. Will there be a resurrection 
when we play Brighton or will Graham Potter's mighty XG army turn up and turn us over? Interesting. Two wins in a, in a row and a good win against Newcastle yesterday. I mean, Newcastle yeah. <laughs> right right in it now, right in the muck. And um, so, that, I mean, it's such a big difference winning two in a row uh, when you're down at the bottom there. Yeah, Fulham... Who, who- who could possibly? We don't. We do. We're not doing. We do not doing. We're about to talk about this on backers content, so we're not giving this away for free. This relegation <laughs> chat. Um, but the uh, the who could possibly have predicted? Well, if only there was some model that suggested that perhaps Brighton's results were likely to turn around in the yeah, future. Right. If, oh, if, what a shocking development! <laughs> um, Fulham play Newcastle. Last last thing I'll say about it. Uh, Fulham play Newcastle on the last day of the season. That that is lining up to be really tasty. Really yeah. tasty. Uh, um, my prediction for that, by the way, is that it won't be really tasty because Fulham will be clear and re- Newcastle will already be relegated by that point. Kind of hope Maybe. so. Kind of yeah. hope so. Maybe yeah. not. Um, all right, that'll do. Uh, so okay. uh, let's let's predict a score because we we have to we have to do this for some reason. But of a game that's happening after an international break that might destroy football altogether. Um, will oh, Brighton right. versus Man United take place on Sunday <laughs> yeah, yeah, the 4th no, of April? That is probably the better question, isn't it? <laughs> um, who, how many of them have caught the plague in all this international travel? I think England played three times or something insane like that. Uh, so I'm going to predict that United win 3-2 after winning a penalty after the final whistle. <laughs> oh my God, that was this season. <laughs> yeah, I know. Feels like about a century ago, that game. It, it really does. It's just so much. I, I mean, I think there will be goals because Brighton, you know, XG masters and United yeah, can't yeah. defend um, and, and Brighton pretty open. So why not? Why not? I'm going to go for 3-2 anyway because... Yep. Uh, I am going to predict a United loss in that game. I think that um, XG's Graham Potter will do um, this club FC's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And it'll, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be a 2-1 win to Brighton, but I hope not. So uh, have a lovely international break, everyone. Um, we'll yep. be back after that Brighton game. You, you, um, you don't fancy doing a bonus episode then, Paul? No, no, you're not, you're not up for it? Not up for I'm, a bit of international chat? <laughs> honestly... I never want to do another one of these again as long as I live. But we are we are here Ollie for the long run. Has broken Paul. He's broken him. <laughs> Ollie looking into staring into space. He's really he's really got the thousand yard stare down. I, I, I kind of you know I'd say that Harry Maguire had the thousand yard stare, but actually his eyes are a bit too close together, so it looks like he's kind of cross eyed sometimes. So he he can't he hasn't got the parallax to stare a thousand yards as Harry. I think he might be a bit short sighted. Anyway, Ollie has got that one. Hands in pockets, big coat on. He's got that kind of, you know, underbite going when he's when he's in a bad mood, Ollie. And he just stands there staring, going, what the fuck am I doing? That's how we feel on the podcast these days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like, I, And I think in a way, like, Ollie's the fact that it's Ole is the thing that is making me not be broken. Because if it was anyone else, the amount I'd be shouting about the manager <laughs> after a game like that is... Is a lot, but anyway, uh, talking of which, stay tuned, Patreon backers, because uh, Tottenham lost in the Europa League, and it was and really, it was really funny. So, yeah, um, we'll always have Jose. Um, everyone else, we'll see you after the international break when we too are resurrected on Easter Sunday. Um, I guess Easter Monday. Um, and uh, and yeah, but Patreon backers, stay tuned for some football chat. All right, thanks everyone. <laughs>